all the details, characters, places, things, and concepts from that galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, my name is Mac, and I'm joined by my co-host, in this case, a fellow Gold Slipper aficionado, Ross. Mac, I can't believe we are finally back, and I can't believe it is finally time to talk about the Supreme Leader himself, or at least the first Supreme Leader, Snow. It's, it's true. Yes, uh, we have... Um, well, we've been excited to talk about it, but we've also been avoiding it. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. We've been avoiding it because we've been waiting for more information. But as we started to get some more information, we decided, you know what? Now's as good a time as ever. And plus, the people have spoken. They want Snoke, too. So it is time to do the Snoke topic, the official Star Wars All-In stance on Snoke. At least as so far as in 2021. Coming up right after this. podcasting and while the star wars universe doesn't have that they do have strand casting oh yes and like podcasting it's an insidious pursuit is that (laughs) that was a good you know what i like that i don't think i can come up with anything better let's go with that yes uh today we are here to talk about uh week two of the fan one character this week we are doing snoke and Mac, I don't know about you, but I was very excited to do Snoke. I was sad when he lost last week. I put him on the first bracket <laughs> hoping he would win because this is something we've been putting off for a little while. Yeah. We've been waiting to kind of do it until we got some more backstory. And now that we're starting to get some more backstory, we thought, hey, maybe it's better to actually do it now before all this gets out of I- hand. I think it's also, as we go on, we're realizing that, like, well, we're not going to be able to do definitive versions of topics. They will need edited. Like, yes. for instance, uh, if you're currently following on The Bad Batch, we talked about Toto 360 in the past, and we'll have to talk about it in the, in the future, because he's got more story to tell now. That's true. So, <laughs> I think we're starting to embrace the temporary nature of, like, no, we are not making audio Wikipedia articles that will stand the test of time. No, we're just making a podcast. Because, like, my problem with Snoke, especially when I started researching today, I'm like, okay, well, how much has been written since, like, Rise of Skywalker? (laughs) And I looked, I'm like, well, there's a few new bits, but still not exactly the tell-all story that I want. Yes, yes, yes. There is not uh, following little Snokey to grade school. There is not that story yet. But (laughs) we do have some good stuff and some things that are definitely worth talking about outside of just the film. So we're going to just, I think, really have a really free-form discussion about Snoke and talk about, you know, what we think of him as a character. So uh, typically we go chronologically here, but because the Snoke story is so pieced all over the place, with the exception of the very end of it, you know, in his last, like, 48 hours or whatever it is, uh, you know, we'll talk about that. But before we talk about that, I just want to talk about the general idea of the character, right? Because okay. going into The Force Awakens, right? You know, a year before, around Thanksgiving, we get the trailer. Yes. Right? And the very first thing we hear is Snoke's voice. Now, at the time, I don't think we knew that. I don't think we even knew that character's name. Yeah, the, I remember the debate was like, I think that's Andy Serkis' yes. character. Yes. And then we went, who's 
is a character. He's <laughs> yes. on the IMDb page. He's in this movie. And he knows about the Force. Yeah. Clearly, because he's talking Obviously. about it. And he sounds kind of ominous, so that's not good. Right. And that's it. And that's it. And that's it. There were no images. There was nothing to go with. There were no action figure leaks or Legos or anything. And there's a lot of people just... disputing if it was Andy Serkis because yeah. it's such it's it's kind of a fairly affected voice. It's not. It was ambiguous, and that was okay. That whole trailer was the "What the heck are we seeing?" Which is perfect. What you want for a teaser trailer, people are going to nosh on for months. Absolutely. Now, a lot of time went by before we started seeing anything Snoke-related at all, right? There was no merchandise. There was nothing like that. And so, you know, if you're going in kind of spoiler-free, you're going in basically knowing nothing about this character, right? He's not in any of the trailers or anything like that. So unless you're, you know, reading stuff on the internet from the premiere the night before, uh, you don't really know much about this character. And so we go into the movie and we're greeted with this guy who is a giant hologram. And that's our first interaction with this character. Now, of course, you have to point out the fact that he is sort of taking over the emperor type role you know, here at the beginning of this trilogy in The Force Awakens. Yeah, he is taking the, over the ultimate evil... The overlord. ...persona, and it, yeah. And it, of course that makes sense, because he's addressed in the movie, you know, as Supreme Leader. Supreme Snoke. Leader, yes, yes. Not the same as Emperor, right? Different distinction, different tax bracket, maybe? Perhaps. I don't know, if you put them next to each other, which is actually more powerful. I mean, there's an Emperor, but does he have to listen to someone? Is there someone more supreme than him? Hmm. I guess we'll never know. Or maybe no, we, no we do. We saw episode nine. <laughs> Very fair. All right. Well, we'll get there in a minute. Uh, okay. So, Snoke, right? Yeah. He's controlling, right, over the dark side, right? He's presiding over the dark side. That's his well, persona. That's what we know going in, basically. Whereas Force Awakens is echoing just about every beat of uh, New Hope. This is the one time they're echoing the beats of Empire in the sense that this is the Imperial thing. You have this giant visage of this mysterious being who's got this scarred face, who's telling the person that you've been established to be the most powerful being so far. This dude's bend a knee to this hologram. So who is this hologram person that this person is humbled by? Right? Because we've seen in this movie, you know, we've seen Kylo Ren do things that are like, in traditional Star Wars, impossible. He's starting, he's stopping blaster bolts in midair and just making them freeze there. You know, he's um, slashing up consoles just because he's mad and everyone around him just has to deal with it. Like he's he's this like unhinged Vader, and he might be more powerful than Vader. So, who's this guy who's got the leash? Right. It's very much echoing what people in you know eighty one must have been feeling about the Emperor. Um, and you've also got Hux. And Hux seems to recognize him as much more as part of the the military chain, right? That this is the supreme leader and thus, you know, commander-in-chief um, because he basically asks permission of, can I go kill the Republic? And Snoke goes, oh, pats him on the head and says, go do that. <laughs> yes, and that is basically Snoke. So this is, like we said, the first time we're seeing Snoke. And that is basically the first action his character takes. You know, it's Hux and Kylo are there in sort of a chamber right a, a audience hol- chamber. yeah an audience chamber that's a good way to put it and they're viewing this gigantic projection you know what would you say like maybe three times life size yeah it's pretty big but I this is he's like that. between like 12 and 15 tall, feet tall yeah he's, he's quite quite large and so they're in front of this hologram and before snoke really even is addressing kylo and before we get all of the information that he'll dump there, there's some really important dialogue here about how we will destroy the government that supports the First Order. Or uh, the, the Resistance, sorry. The Resistance. Destroy the government that supports the Resistance. And there are a lot of complaints about Force Awakens, about how you know they didn't really make it clear why there was no military fighting back about... You know, against the First well, the Order. You know, the situation was yeah. pushed to the background because they were afraid of doing Episode One again. Absolutely. In hindsight, too afraid of echoing uh, episode one because there is so much confusion about the politics, which they mentioned it in the dialogue enough that people were leaving the theater going like, 
who's resisting who and were they were they part of the republic they they had the rebel symbols are they rebels yeah it, it's very confusing and oh well you know we, we've talked about all and of still this only mostly about... cleared up none of which is in the films and that's that's yeah. okay because i don't know if people fixate on as much as we do but it's it it shows how elegant the world building was in the original trilogy of you kind of knew everything, even though you saw like a space station in a dirt planet, you still understood this entire cosmic like backdrop. All these events were happening in. Absolutely agree. Um, so anyway, let's get back to the scene yeah. here, right? So we get the information to Hux about destroying the Republic, going to get Starkiller base ready and Hux leaves. And then Snoke and Kylo have an interaction about right. That dialogue we hear from the from the trailer right about the force and about the force uh basically changing in a way that is perceptible to snoke and it should be perceptible to kylo as well and basically he's have saying it? yes have you know have the have you felt it moment and basically saying the droid will soon you know two hawks the droid will still be out there so kylo you know hey what are we going to do about this are we going to go get this droid back are we going to handle it we can't have Skywalker return. So it's also showing that, you know, Snoke is aware of and afraid of Skywalker. Yeah. That's the other thing we learn about his character here when we first meet him is that we know he's above Kylo, but he's afraid of Skywalker. But yet Kylo doesn't seem afraid. Right. So they have this sort of um, it, there's not really this tier to like, oh, one above the other, above the other. They all are sort of in this, like, power triangle with each other. And that's kind of where we start out here with the character, right? We know sure. that he feels like he's above Kylo, but Kylo feels like he's above Luke. And it's just like this never-ending circle. Right. Which I think is a very interesting way to set the scene here. Now, the other thing that Snoke reveals in this moment is that Kylo is Han Solo's son. Right. Right. And so right away, this character who only gets, what, a minute and a half of dialogue, you know, barely. Very, yeah, little, little bit of screen time here to start. And this is mostly it for the movie form. He doesn't have much more after this in this one. No. There's only a couple little bits. No. Again, he reveals that this is Ben Solo. It, well, he does, not yet. No. Well, he does, that it's Han's son. Han's son. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that Kylo, You're well, right. really, You're... that Kylo is the child of Han. Yes, we Not don't really. Know the name we, until... Yeah, we don't technically know Kylo is a boy yet. I guess that's true. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, I know it's odd, but I just wanted to point it out. I think it's because we all knew Adam Driver's playing. Well, sure, like, sure, like, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> that's not a that's not a lady. <laughs> fair, um, fair enough, but you never know. I, I hear you. Uh, and then the other thing is also Snoke reveals that he's the leader of the Knights of Ren, whoever those are. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, we'll come to learn about that later, but not really with Snoke. But I mean, so Snoke is mostly here for an info dump. He yes. creates the idea that there is a power beyond the characters we've met so far. Yes. He plays the Emperor's role via Empire of this mysterious, powerful being that is pulling all the strings. And he also gives us some plot dump to sort of get more information out of um, Kylo without ha Kylo having to reveal it. Right. Snoke sort of just painting some things for us as an audience onto the character. Mm -hmm. Okay. And basically throughout the rest of the film, uh, Snoke is trying to get kylo to bring ray to him and also to get kylo to come to him then later as star killer base is being destroyed to complete his training to basically finish whatever what training we don't know but we do know that snoke is somewhere not on star killer base he is not there during you know the resistance attack and he is actually physically training kylo in the dark side so it's not just he can sense the force he is literally a practitioner. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's sort of where we leave the story with episode seven. Now, let's, since we're talking about this more in real time uh, world. Uh, so for the next couple of years, we just all go into crazy speculation mode. Yes. Of what the heck is this thing? Yes. Because for because until confirmed by like production photos and stuff of Last Jedi, this guy might be 12 to 15 feet 
tall. Yeah, we had no idea what to expect. Was it? Everyone thought, oh, it's going to be a little guy. It's going to be a joke. It's going to be a real It's the Wizard of guy. Oz. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or, you know, it's the Emperor. It's Jar Jar Binks. It's right. You know, there were a million well, theories. And one of the things that, came, that popped out during it was someone sort of like smuggled out a render, like one of the CG render files. And that's when we found out how just effed up his face is specifically. Like the big slashes across it, the like missing parts of of like you know some of the bone structure and stuff like dude's messed up yes yes which yes. means of course he's actually darth bane oh it must be right it has to be has to be has to be or he's a mun and he trained oh, uh, palpatine <laughs> it has to be the galaxy has to be small and easily connected new things aren't allowed well it turns out those people were right uh, on a long enough timeline. <laughs> but I just want to say there was just tons of speculation because I think he was one of the more fascinating things coming out of it as far as the kind of patent pending like way that Star Wars does world building is they, they just say things and they let your imagination run wild with what those things mean about the universe or what yes. those things could be. Like we all got going like, what are the Knights of Ren? What are the, is that that crew that was around him and Ray's flashback? Like, is that who they are? If he has a posse, why aren't they at Starkiller Base? Did he kill them all? Did they all die? Are they doing work for him across the galaxy? Do they serve Snoke, actually? Like, what's up with that? And Snoke, who is this guy? Obviously, Han and Leia say his name like they know him, so he's not as secretive as, like, you know, um, a Dark Lord could be. He's a known quantity to people in the know in the galaxy. He's not just, you know, the shadowy puppet master. So it's like, who is this guy? Well, great question, because you're right. That is where the film leaves us. What's really funny is, based on everything we're going to talk about in current canon, Han and Leia's perception of Snoke is pretty much he's Ben's imaginary friend. <laughs> Which is kind of very funny and weird. But we'll talk about that well, more as we I go. He I hear what you're saying. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk it. about that more as we go here. Uh, so let's talk about Snoke in the films first, because that's where everybody's seen him. Then we'll get into more of the offshoot stuff. So let's move on to The Last Jedi, right? So in The Last Jedi, we finally get the full reveal of Snoke. We find this is an yes. Andy Serkis-performed um, CGI character who is basically humanoid. He's he's this very lithe, rather tall. He's like, what, nine? Nine? Eight? Oh, I don't, eight, you know what? I don't eight. actually have a... He's like eight to nine feet up. tall. He's yeah. he's a good head and a half taller than anybody else in the room. Yes. Because he's just this sort of like lanky, tall, mm -hmm. lithe figure in this stunning, just fashionable gold robe. Yes, that's the other thing is we finally get to see Snoke in color. Now, he does have a great moment where his giant uh, holographic head... Uh, force slams Hux into the ground on the bridge. We don't want to forget that. That's true. But yes, we get to see him in person here. We see his big, bold, red throne room with his Praetorian guards, and he's in his gold sparkly robe, his slippers, his nice white puffy pants. He's got that black stone ring that he's uh, gathered from Mustafar Invader's castle that uh, never really went anywhere. Um, and he's a very unique guy. You know, he's not the emperor. He's more the kind of sultan sitting on his throne, like, you know, the, living in luxury a little bit while still being very involved in controlling his people. I think it's because his throne room is so high concept mm -hmm. of this just massive red chamber with his throne sitting in the middle, which, why? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, there's a lot of space behind that throne to the wall that, like, I don't know if there's anything back there. Um, <laughs> That's the staging area. Is He has, to me, whereas the Emperor feels like, you know, a cackling necromancer from a fantasy novel mm -hmm. where he's just this in the dark tower running, you know, all these evil schemes. Yeah. Snoke feels more to me like a James Bond villain. Like, he's living in the lap of luxury. He is at no level ever worried about you interrupting his plans. He's got that, like, Goldfinger thi thing of, like, do you expect me to talk? <laughs> no, I expect you to die. You can't interrupt my plans. <laughs> do you know how good they are? <laughs> yes. he. I mean, well, we'll talk about it more in a minute. But he does have that very much, I cannot be beaten. I am more powerful than you. The only person I fear is Skywalker. But the deck is so stacked in my favor at this point. 
I'm not worried about it. I'm more concerned about him at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. And he, so, so again, he's just got this just much more broad, big um, presence. Yeah. And he's, I would argue, slightly more on the charismatic side as far as the way of, like, you can just – he's just dripping with the way he manipulates people, the way he just gets his way. And we kind of see this from, again, Hux being – tormented on the bridge of the uh one dreadnought <laughs> yes uh we see hux playing with him playing with him in a very obvious sense and when they we next see him in the audience chamber of this you know throne room where kylo comes before him he just basically go he basically dresses the entire character of kylo ren down and says i'm hyper disappointed in you you screwed up royal you keep screwing up royal and you run around with a dumb mask listen the cosplay's over okay get to work on my business <laughs> and this is right after congratulating hux right you know very Kylo, publicly, almost yes. as if to insult Kylo Ren. Exactly. And what I love about that moment is you have this great, you know, oh, Hux, you did such a great job. You're right. I'm sorry. I underestimated you. You do have them tied on a string, right? And then he leaves. And then immediately as the door closes, Stoke is like, hey, Kylo, that guy, he sucks. We we don't like him. It's like. Do you know why I keep it? Why I keep that cur? Because I have him in check. I can control every moment, and his loyalty to me is like unflinching because of the way I've manipulated him. Speaking of unflinching manipulation, he still did get some stuff done. He is fixing your disaster, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll electrocute you just for good measure. Which is our first time seeing that Snoke has the power of Force lightning, right? Or really, because any... in the speculation time, there was a lot of you know is. Snoke like the Emperor, or is it more of like he's like a lore keeper? Like he can feed, you know, information to Kylo Ren, but is he as powerful? And the answer is yeah, he's as powerful. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> In fact, at this point, we are kind of, I think, led to believe that he is more powerful than anyone we've seen. Right. Like, I mean, Ky you know, Kylo can't even touch him. Correct. So that is what we're going in now to sort of Snoke's biggest moments with. You know, we know that he is abusive towards Kylo. We know that he is in control of every situation, or at least he believes to be, right? And we know that he's got a sick sense of style. Right, and we know, yeah, he's got a sick sense of style yeah. and a sense of scale because he's got this just swanky, beautiful room here on the overcompensation. Is that the name of the ship? Ah. No. I, I think it is, yes. I think it is. Uh, sadly, I know uh, actually... Nicknamed the Supremacy, I believe. Yeah, the Supremacy. I was going to say, like, I know it's actually the supremacy, but it's yeah. also like, it's a giant, it's like, you think you've seen really big Super Star Destroyer? Well, this is an ultra, super deluxe Ultra Star Destroyer Plus. Imagine if we made it wider instead of longer. Like, this is the kind of one where the space ball joke comes back around of like, they have to have a mall on this thing. It's so big. Well, they <laughs> needed to make it so big so Snoke's throne room could fit in scale. Like, they didn't need 80% of the ship to be the throne room, so they needed to make it, like, the appropriate, you know. Yeah, it's just, it's, the supremacy is really, really neat, but I also love the fact we spend, like, no time explaining it. <laughs> yeah. It's a giant flying wing, and it's a super-duper Star Destroyer. It's Deal there with to it. get destroyed. Kinda? Yeah. That kind of, because I like the idea well, of, and like. and to give Snoke well, a home I just want to say, but I, elaborate. but I wish they would have, again, politics, I wish they would have spent time, because we're essentially led to believe in supplementary material that Snoke's throne room's here because this is essentially the capital city of the First Order. Yeah. This is the heart of its entire yes. bureaucracy. And in the cut scenes from Last Jedi, we see more of the bureaucratic office building space on this where the First Order is run from. And I think it's a really cool idea that a sovereign nation, their capital is always on the move. Like, you can't attack it, right? Because it can just hyperspace out and, like, and obviously, they have tons and tons of technology because that's the whole reason the ploy to capture the the resistance works is because there's a massive supercomputer on this machine that is able to calculate those incredibly complex hyperspace jumps yes. to track them. Yes, absolutely. It is hmm, – how should I put this? 
it's a situation where we do spend a fair amount of time on the supremacy. Like, you know, all of the uh, Finn and Poe and DJ plot is on the supremacy. Yep. So we do spend some time there and get to see uh, the laundry room. We get to see sort of the, the core, right, where they are, where they're sort of doing the hacking. We get mm -hmm. to see the hangar bay, the throne room. So we do get a lot of different set pieces on the supremacy, mm -hmm. which I like. But absolutely, any more time we could spend there would have been a ton of fun. And it is definitely sad when it gets destroyed. Yeah. So um, throughout the film, obviously, you know, there's uh, Snoke is kind of in the background, right? He is, as we will learn, bridging the minds of Kylo and Rey. Yeah, his biggest thing is he's just antagonizing Kylo Ren to basically push him to get to where he needs him, him to be, mm -hmm. which is, I need you focused on killing Skywalker. Skywalker has an apprentice. Great. Use that person to get to Skywalker and then kill both of them. Yes, absolutely. The plan for Snoke is always to kill Rey. Uh, Rey right? Well, or do we have that? Like, can we agree I, on that? I would argue that when Rey shows up, I think it's very much a thing of, like, I believe the original plot is, Use Ray to get to Luke, because if I can kill Luke, if I can kill the last Jedi, yes. Order 66 will be fulfilled and the Sith will have finally won. Yes. And then we can move beyond the Sith and Jedi crap. Yes. Right? Yes, because we but do I see him reading Ray's mind, which is another power he has. And I think by the time that Ray is brought before Snoke and he sort of sees all that's actually going on with her now that he can really probe into her brain and kind of see her, he's like, oh... Oh, you're the Force Awakening thing. Oh, <laughs> great. When we kill you, Skywalker will be a pushover then. I've been actually nervous about you, apparently. <laughs> very, very fair point. Yeah, so we see Snoke here. We see her. Uh, we see him read Ray's mind, you know, essentially sort of almost torture her uh, with the Force mind read. I don't think almost. I think it's very obvious. Yeah, all right, It's, fair it's bad. <laughs> We see him uh, throw her around kind of like a rag doll, you know, using the force. Um, and this is someone who has already shown tremendous power in the force. So this is just once again, amping up what Snoke is capable of here. And again, in some ways is more than we've seen from someone. We, I don't, we rarely see someone like command the hold over someone, like whipping them around in the air, freezing every muscle in their body the way that he's doing. So yes, again, He's coming off stronger, more powerful than the Emperor, mostly in the way that he's flaunting his Force powers. Absolutely. And with that sort of grandiose flaunt of his powers, he also is showing his arrogance, which is about to be exposed. Because in this moment, as he decides that Rey has given him any, everything he needs, you know, they don't need the droid, they have Skywalker's location, uh, and he orders Kylo to kill her. And... Unbeknownst to Snoke, Kylo has other plans, right? You you bridge their minds too well. You bridge their minds too well. And this is the moment for, I think, I don't know about you, Mac, I don't want to speak for you, but for me, where The Last Jedi really, really showed me that it was going to be something special, right? Mm -hmm. This moment where you have this... I truly do not know what is going to happen next. Yes. And how rare is that today in films? Like, you may not know every single detail, but I can tell that, oh, they're about to make a joke about this one thing that just happened, right? Ooh. I can tell that, oh, he's going to have a heroic moment here coming up. But I don't think anyone think, went into that theater knowing that Kylo was going to kill Snoke the in first, this way. I think on the first turn, I think when Kylo's raising his lightsaber... And, you know, you see the lightsaber, like, flittering next to Snoke. I think everyone's like, okay, he's going to pull the lightsaber to Rey. Then those two are going to fight together, and they're kind of going to work together. Snoke's going to disappear through a back door to be the villain for the next movie. And are these two together is kind of where this movie's headed. Yes. And then Snoke's walking through what is in his apprentice mind. Yes. He raises the lightsaber, and he brings it to strike down his greatest enemy. And then the lightsaber turns in, and you're like... Oh, okay. I guess that's so Ray can catch it from the sides, and then it turns on through him, and then the, like you said, the entire room just went <gasps> as it's pulled through him, and then into Ray's hand, and it's like, I think the one line from the trailer was what I was saying for like a solid week to anyone who hadn't seen Last Jedi, which was just my, 
this isn't going to go the way you think it will. <laughs> was that line from from uh, Luke? Because yeah. I'm like, that summed it all up in like five different places. It has the turn you're expecting and it goes the other direction. And the Snoke thing was the ultimate finale because it was like, suddenly we went from, I, I've seen Return of the Jedi. I know where this is all going to what the heck is episode nine going to be about? Well, it's not just, I mean, yes, absolutely. You know, as we're done in the theater that day for sure. But just in that moment, right, as that saber is turning and igniting and you realize what's happening and the thrill of that of basically saying, oh, my gosh, this character now, this character. OK, he just saved her life, but. Where does he stand? Is but he, he also just accomplished the thing Vader never could. He finally killed his master. Yes. <laughs> In that moment, right, did you read it as a positive or a negative thing? And I think that's what made that moment so powerful. It wasn't just the surprise of it. It was the surprise. And then in your mind, all of a sudden, you're saying, oh, my gosh, what does this mean? Does this mean that he is taking over the dark side, you know, mantle that he's been after, that he's been basically craving well, for the last 12 yeah. minutes that we've been watching him, basically? I think our brains definitely worked on different wavelengths because my brain is still like, Kylo Ren's a villain, so where what's the play here? But see, that's the moment. That's the moment where you don't know, is he a villain or did no, he no. just turn against the villains? No, what I'm saying is, in my mind... right. He killed Han Solo, a performative thing in a narrative to say that this is an irredeemable character. I have never in the entire oh, yeah. watch. This is Max's whole thing. At, well, my thing is like, I never, he's a villain. He can only yeah. be redeemed through death. And I was, I was interested in the sec, sec, sense of, I thought he might be dead this movie. Like, if anything, uh, I was thinking about the fact of like, here's his noble sacrifice, right? Uh, is like, here's his chance to redeem himself. But that's just because at no level. Did I ever really think that those two should get together because Kylo was squarely in the, you know, the villain category. Mm -hmm. And I go, Star Wars doesn't paint with that broad of a gray brush that while he might be redeemed, he's never going to not be the Darth Vader of this story. You know, so for me, it wasn't so much the turn of like, mm. oh, now I, I, I totally read it as like, oh, he's a true Sith. He just killed his master. He is done with this stuff. Yeah. So when they fight all the Praetorian guards and it gets to the point where, you know, they're separated and like he goes, I'm the supreme leader now. I'm like, ah, this makes so much more. This this makes so much sense to me. Oh, for sure. But that right, right, right. So you're just saying you weren't feeling the drama in the, of it. In, in because the moment, you the there drama was, no was thought that it could go that way. In, in, in the moment, the drama was to me of like he and Ray are going to fight their way past these guards who are mad. He just killed Snoke. And then they're going to face each other because that's where this has to go because yes. he's the villain. Yes. So when so when he like says like join me, there's a I'm sure someone like you or other people in the audience are going going like oh no is she gonna go with him? I'm like no she's a good guy he's a bad guy they have to fight they're not going to become friends. <laughs> like yeah. it just never really was honestly yeah. a serious thing in my head. But see the but I guess my point is. Because I can totally understand what you're saying, and that, that's a perfectly, I'm sure, probably about half the audience had that same <laughs> right, reaction, right, yeah. right? Like, I mean, it's probably one or the because other. Because you said, because the split is there of just like, right. the rules you were expecting are no longer are going to apply. That's exactly yeah. my, my grand point here is basically, normally, yes, what you're saying, it would be one or the other, right? Yeah. No, he's they're not going to become friends because they are good versus evil. Sure. But in a movie that just surprised us as much as this one did by killing off what we thought was the dark side figurehead that's, yeah that's right the... anything could happen and this is all i'm talking this is all in like three seconds sure. right that you're experiencing and thinking about all this and feeling all this but it is that, that whiplash is... of where is this yes. going <laughs> and so that's why after that fantastic fight by the way the, the yeah. best fight in maybe all of star wars that praetorian guard fight after yeah. that fantastic, and, fantastic fight, when Kylo reaches out his hand, right? You, I, in my opinion, because of the shock of what had just happened, there is no way to truly say, "Oh, I feel this is going to go one way or another." So you truly are just experiencing it, kind mm -hmm. of in that shocked moment. Sure. And I think that is the legacy of Snoke. You know, before we even talk about all the stuff that's yeah. been added in since. That is the legacy of Snoke is he is the perfect 
example of you know uh fan theories going amok and uh you know perceived notions about story arcs (laughs) getting thrown out the window he is like this character that represents (laughs) so much of what is great about star wars and also what is so funny about star wars fans and how much so many of them seem to hate it so what you're saying is you, you were really absorbing the fact that that snoke gets cut in half falls in half we want to make sure that there is no illusion snoke is hyper you see dead. him like with his tongue hanging out later he is dead we are yeah. not having a darth maul he's coming back with spider legs moment he's, he's dead dead dead, dead, dead yeah. right but like right when he goes <gasps> and he gets cut in half yeah you're right it's as if a thousand fan theories suddenly screamed out in violence and were then silenced <laughs> oh yeah because it, yeah, it, and it was great. It it was good because I think it also represented, to me, Ryan Johnson, who's the writer as well as director. I I think this is a statement of no no no. We are not just making Empire and Return of the Jedi again. I mean, absolutely. You've I already agree. seen the dark dude on the throne get his way. So what if it goes this way? Right. Absolutely. I love that. And I, I will I say. I love it. I love it. I love it. One last thing I want to put about Snoke's last moments is when I saw Last Jedi the other time, like repeat times in theaters, one of my favorite things was really fixating on what he's saying right before he gets killed and just how Chef's Kiss beautifully choreographed it is because Kylo is doing all the things he's saying. Oh, for sure. It's just the target's wrong. That's the thing Snoke doesn't see is that the targeting is wrong. For sure. Which is, I think, makes that such a better crafted scene. The fact that it's very well earned and Kylo is hiding you know, hiding his emotions successfully from this man. Because to a certain extent, Snoke is right, right? He can feel what Kylo is feeling. He can sense it. He's going to turn the lightsaber into his mind. He's going to turn the lightsaber to his greatest enemy. Absolutely. And so in this moment, not only does it show Snoke's arrogance, which is an important character trait of his, right, throughout this entire thing, but not only that, what it also does is it shows how capable and powerful Kylo is, right? Because this is more than just a trick. This is manipulating someone else through the Force who has manipulating you, right? Right. So this is a really, really great moment of force usage for another character that results in Snoke's death. Yeah. And so, like you said, Snoke's legacy is basically just clearing the runway for the rest of our story because he's no longer in the way. And, like, the story doesn't have a big bad. Kylo Ren has now, by the end of this movie, become the supreme leader of the First Order. Mm -hmm. He is in command of everything and... Now he's Vader as the Emperor, and what does that mean for the franchise? Well, what if I told you there's someone even morier, overlordier? Yes. Um, So we're not going to get into it, uh, but basically, Episode Nine, we see some more Snokes and tanks at the very beginning. We do Snokes brothers. You can call them that. I mean, the clones in the Clone Army call each other brothers, so I guess so. Um, Yes. And the whole thing we find out is that Snoke was strand casted, a new word we get in the world of episode nine. Strand casting basically mean instead of a clone who is copied from a genetic template, yes. a strand casted is a genetically crafted creature. Yes. It doesn't necessarily have yeah. a it's not a duplicate of something. It is a wholly new creation out sort of DNA of, material. I, I like to think of it as like what they were doing in Jurassic Park. Like filling in a close to real thing. I think it's with... even further than that. Cause well, yes, because in... that is like changing point one percent of something. Well, but I, I mean, I think the difference between a clone and this thing is there was no womb. There's just machinery. Mm-hmm. That's right? fair. Like That's fair. I don't think there's. Any, I don't think these things are even artif- Like in Camino, they are artificially born in synthetic wombs, yes. right? And they probably still have genetic material from a donor that creates the female half of the reproductive system, right? I think strand casted are written on a computer and you hit print and they are 3D printed genetically. <laughs> that's I think that's totally fair. Um, well, since that's really all we see of Snoke in this moment, other than we learn that in some way Palpatine was controlling him. 
we don't really yes. have great clarification on does that mean literally word for word every action was Palpatine? I don't think that's the case because that would make the whole Ray story make even less sense. So I, I think it's more of Palpatine creates Snoke as an attempt at a new body for himself doesn't go as planned, so he uses him more as a puppet instead. Yes. Snoke see, is controlling himself. Yeah, we see the damaged Emperor and realize he's obviously doing these experiments to increase his own physical form. And I think I think you're right. I think the implication I walked away from the theater was just the idea of Snoke was good enough to go run the First Order while the Emperor is still building his forces in the yes. shadows because he's just, he is a shadow of his former self. He yes. cannot just rule from a cool tower on top of the Death Star. He needs to be a little more secretive, a little more elusive. So he needs a puppet to go out and run his, you know, remnants of his empire. And that's what Snape, Snoke does. Absolutely. That's what Snoke does for him. And and that's it. We are left with so many questions about who this guy is. Where did he come from? What was his purpose? And in the interim, we have gotten supplementary material that tries to fill some of that out. We have. So one of the first things we should talk about briefly is The Mandalorian. Yes. Right? Because there is an episode where um, we have uh, Din and uh, a couple of other characters going and infiltrating what they believe is a military base, but instead they find out is a lab. And mm -hmm. in that lab, we see some um, uh, shadowy forms. You know, we can't really make out what they are. And they are definitely not fully grown, but they do look like a preemptive version or a prototype version of Snoke. Well, the whole thing about it is this concept of strand casting, right? Because we know that the Emperor's son, who's Ray's dad, is also some chunk of this experiments because i think it's the novelization or is the visual dictionary something spelled out that like <laughs> no palpatine didn't get down with anybody no his clones uh, his, his kids are his kids manufactured as well yeah um it sort of just it's unfortunately i think a lightning rod at this point because the mandalorians in this position of like they could build that like the background to exegol and how the fact that you know gideon and his forces are part of the experiments that are building what's going to happen on exegol or could absolutely not, because right now, if you're doing anything in the ballpark of cloning, if you got some blob in a test tube, we think it could be Snoke, <laughs> and we're right until proven otherwise. And that's absolutely 100% true. Because people are going nuts about the Bad Batch, and what is the history with uh, Omega, and mm. how their unique clone, it's like, well, is is it a clone of Palpatine? Is it a clone? And it's like... It could be. And again, the fun <laughs> part about it, and Lucasfilm knows this, is we will speculate like crazy. But yes. the reality is probably not everything to do with cloning and genetic creations is going to always inevitably lead back to Snoke. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Let's talk about another bit of supplemental material that does involve cloning and leading back to Snoke. Okay. And that is <laughs> the missing right hand of Luke Skywalker. Yes, we now know where it is. Yes, because it is on Exegol in a jar hooked up to a vat that is also hooked up to Snoke. Or something that could be a version, past version of Snoke. Basically, in the new Darth Vader comics, the version yeah. that takes place between Empire and Return of the Jedi that is out right now. I should point out, I own the first two, well, I own the first trade, the second one is pre-ordered. But I have not read these yet. But I have it's looked good. at the panels and stuff just to see this little bit. Um, so I don't really have context for the entire story, so I'm avoiding spoilers here for both myself and for you. <laughs> but basically the thing here is Vader visits Exegol sort of on a, a mission, and uh, he finds Luke's hand is being used there to be implemented into a cloning process of some kind. Yeah, we established that Exegol has been around for a long time, and it seems like one of the Emperor's, like, essentially genetics experiments like are going on there. I mean, that's all the Vader comic really reveals is like, oh yeah, no, these these labs have been here for a while. Yeah. And it's kind of I think it skirts around the fact that like Vader's like, oh yes, his hand, and look at these genetic experiments. Like Vader, if you just look to the left, why don't you comment more on the Sith Eternal and the fact that there's an entire planet wide cult for your boss. Huh. And that like at any time they could replace you. Like just think about that. For, you know what? It's fine. You know what? You're a busy man. You got it. You're busy. I get it. <laughs> but like there is yeah. this, there is this basically with Exegol, we see something that 
to be honest, is a legacy of the prequels, which is this concept of if there is a biological marker, midi chlorians for force users, could one create a super duper force user by getting the midi chlorian count up? What about like Anakin and Luke makes them genetically capable of holding so many midi chlorians? Can we copy that? And that's why, yeah. you know, the Emperor's curious about Luke's hand because, you know, who knows what experiments he's done on Anakin to figure this stuff out. Maybe his son's a more stable sample and maybe the Gen 2. I can't make the virgins in the Force, but maybe you can make the virgins in the Force's son's level of power. Um, and uh, and it's also, I, I laughed really hard when you sent me the panels for that because I was just very much like, oh, that fills in that meme I really liked right around Last Jedi of, of where, where Ray's like, like, here, I found your lightsaber, Master Luke. And he's like, you know, there's a, there's a hand attached to that. Did you did you find that too? <laughs> As he like strokes his beard with his robot hand and it gets caught in one of the whiskers. Ow, ow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um Yes. But it's it yeah, it is interesting that the mystery is solved of of course the Empire sent some lowly ensign down there to pick that up. Um in the other Star Wars comic, I think it I, I don't know if they show exactly how it gets to Vader. No, well, actually, never is, mind. I'm we don't know what happens with the lightsaber because that's a story things. for another that's time. Right. I'm getting the hand. We, we got that story. The now. hand. Yes. The, the lightsaber hug at Maz's castle. That's a story for another time, like a never time. <laughs> like, where does Yoda's race come from? It's yeah. over on that shelf. Oh, um, JJ, you tried. It's we okay. have to give you credit um, for trying. But it does show the fact we see proto Snokes. We see Snoke in progress because that's the other generic you know genetic horrors being baked up here on exegol <laughs> yes. yes um snoke boy uh a lot of great mystery a lot of great well, potential and a really really fantastic ending that really serves the story well yeah and the last thing i just want to say about snoke is and then the other thing that is why like i've always been reluctant about this topic because like the story has got so many missing holes is snoke is the known leader of the first order to people who know about the first order hanging yeah. out in the unknown regions. We see that in bloodlines. Yeah. We see uh, in the one comic with Kylo Ren, we see mm. the manipulator that is we forgot. Snoke. Yes. We forgot some of the comics. There are a couple good things we should talk about. There is the Snoke one shot issue where he is training Kylo Ren. And basically we see him throw Kylo off of a cliff onto some jaggy yeah. rocks and he doesn't catch him. It's only because Kylo saves himself that he survives. And then he takes Kylo to Dagobah and makes him go into the force tree and face Luke, who he kills, but then he faces his parents. And this is a great bit of sort of retroactive foreshadowing yeah. where uh, Kylo in the tree can't bring himself to strike down his parents. Right. So he destroys the tree to trick Snoke into thinking that he he's did super go duper through powerful. With it. So he did that same manipulation that he does later on when he kills Snoke in this version of the comic book. Uh, so yeah. that's a really interesting moment. Plus, Snoke has a great bit of dialogue here where he says, I wanted to bring other apprentices here. That tree has stood for, I don't know, whatever, generations or thousands of years or whatever he says. Right. Uh, so really great moment. And then, yes, in the Rise of Kylo Ren comic book, we see uh, Ben Solo seek out Snoke after he after you know the events of Luke's temple and we see Snoke living on the Amaxine station the same place the same location from uh the High Republic uh into the dark so he's uh you know we see him living on that same station right uh and basically we see that he is a little bit more you know he's wearing another outfit besides the gold rope here he is you know <laughs> into some of these sort of material things um and he's a character who has more depth than we see just in the films here. Yeah, uh, and we see that us. he's, you know, he is, he, he lures Kylo in by being a friend and then doesn't start with the abusive behavior until after. Right. And so that's really yeah, Snoke's think, whole character arc. Cause I think in a lot of ways when the chips will settle, Snoke is very much a Senator Palpatine figure. People who know about him know he's a political mover. I don't know if they know he's controlling a military junta out there in the outer outer regions but like he's a respectable enough person about the galaxy maybe not the most famous person but like yeah. you know 
senators know about him. Leia knows about him. And yes. and Leia and Han know that, like, Snoke is someone that their son has associated with. But, like, yes. he's probably mostly harmless until it becomes that's how he falls to the dark side. That Snoke is that dark influence. Just like Palpatine, to the galaxy at large, you may not want to trust him, but, like, he's not a villain. And then yes. he is. Yes, and we do also know that Snoke was communicating with Ben at a young age mm -hmm. uh, telepathically, so we don't know exactly how or when that communication or that you know first meeting between them started, but we do know that Snoke had a long-term influence over Ben uh, at a younger age, you know, after his training started. Um, at some point, we'll get the whole Kylo Ren, like, seduction yeah. to the dark side, and that's where I think the rest of Snoke's story will be told of sort of what was this creature's part in the grand plan was he designed to get kylo ren was he designed to run the first order or are these just all happy accidents of the many many experiments the emperor is running it seems like really the third one yeah but we'll find out hopefully one day i'd really love to so again the story of stoke doesn't end here but it does end here for us today for now for now all right we're gonna go wrap this up right after this Another Star Wars story comes to an end. Yep, we're putting the books back on the shelves. We're uh, closing down the browser windows. We're uh, slipping out of our outdoor Crocs into our indoor Crocs. The ones that have the fuzzy the, the insides. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. You didn't think I knew that about Crocs, That's did very you? funny. I love that. I don't own Crocs. I know uh, you do. <laughs> I, I do, but I, I recently learned, like over the last like three or four months, that like they're fashionable back in a way that so I only have ever owned two pairs, and I've always worn them for like yard work, like they're that type Gardening, of shoe, which is what yes. they were invented for. Yes, and like around the house, like going down into our dirty basement, like those types of things. That's what house I wear shoes. them for. Yes, or like if I'm standing on my feet for a long time, like cleaning or cooking or whatever, that's where I wear them, and they're great for that. But I never thought about going out into the world in them, and then recently. Some of our coworkers have started coming to work in Crocs. And Bless apparently, them. this is a thing. Like, people do this. And maybe I'm just being an old man, but I think this is great. I because now I'm going to order some yellow Crocs. Okay. And I'm going to try wearing them out in the real world and see what happens. All I know is uh, the last story about Crocs I really enjoyed was the DJ for um, the Oscars was wearing golden Crocs, and I thought that was pretty rad. Okay. That's a person who's going to be on their feet all night. If they're, someone they're not the... sitting down eating cocktails like the rest of y'all. <laughs> they right. have to work if for a If someone living. at the Oscars is wearing Crocs, then I'm going to believe that it's possible for me to buy Crocs and wear them out in the real world. The question, I thought Crocs were dead in like 2007 or whenever. Is, like, is the world getting more accepting of Crocs or are we just getting just lazier? I was going to say more dead inside and don't care. You have See, clothes on. That's already an improvement I over what our expectations am, are. Now my mindset of it is more of like, oh my gosh, this shoe of the future that is easy to make. That is not some like, oh, there's only 20 pairs and it's $600 if you want to get them. Oh, I'm right? sure they're a limited edition Crocs. Well, but it's a $50 shoe or whatever. They're simple. They come in every size. So even when you have giant feet like me, you can get them, right? Yeah. And they come in every color. They're, so they're super open. They're super accessible. I love May the I idea that we're all you. just going... To like a basic, simple thing. May I introduce you to the Tuck Chuck Taylor All-Star has been continually made since like yes. 1927. Yes. It works. It's a design that is time-tested, proven, and relatively expensive. worst shoe to stand around all day in. That is your opinion. I love my Chuck T's. And uh, your feet don't kill never. after a day in those? No, but I'm also Man. I'm also like a never nude when it comes down there. Like sure. the, the amount of times I go barefoot can be counted in minutes a year. 
Sure. Uh, I, I hate being barefoot. Oh, so. and I am quite the opposite. See, that's the other appeal of getting Crocs is it's now summer out here. It's getting warm. And uh, I could just go sockless every day, just, which is the goal. There's got to be Star Wars cross promotion, right? The little like charms you could put in the holes or yes, something. Yes, I have some. I've never used them because that's another thing. I always thought those were silly. But I received them well, as a are, gift. But... Like, I don't know, 15 years ago or whenever, when I got my first pair of, they were Pittsburgh Penguin-themed Crocs. Okay. Uh, and I got them, and I received those things, but I never put them on the shoe because I thought they were silly. But now, maybe I'm reevaluating. <laughs> maybe I'm reevaluating. For... My brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they had Crocs. My little three-year-old nephew, he had little three-year-old Crocs. And my, uh, my, my best friend's uh, wife is quite the fan of Crocs. So that's another person in the pro category, is what you're saying. I, yeah, and I think uh, I think Chris also ha- has a pair, but that's more through yeah. osmosis than. Yeah. So I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna pull the trigger today. Get the get because you're, you're walking around Crocs. Well, I need a new pair of shoes, right? I need a new pair of shoes to stand around all day in. Okay. But they're like like a pair of athletic shoes, like the ones I wear. They're like 160 bucks. I, I just bought new Nike shoes. I yeah, have, you I have, understand. I, They're I have expensive. no skin in this game. Oh, God, yes. It's stupid. They shouldn't be. So anyway, I found another pair of shoes. They're like, oh, I could try out a new pair. Because like the last three pairs of like work standing in shoes I bought, same, like three pairs. Like my last three pairs all been the same shoe, different years, but same shoe, right? Yeah. This year, I'm like, well, I did find another new shoe that I could try. This is like on sale for $100. But why not roll the dice on a pair of $50 Crocs, and if they don't work out, I still have a pair of Crocs that I can use for other things. And now to your point, maybe get some Star Wars uh, jang- jingle jangle, uh, bl- what are they yeah, called? Bling bling. Up bling, with, uh, yeah. yeah, bling them up with some yeah, Star Wars. I could, I could bling them up. See, Boy, I really still... do sound old today, see, don't this I? Is, this is definitely very oh, much connecting God. to Star Wars content. I brought it back around Yeah. in our five minutes of Croc Talk here. Listen, um, listen, this is what the outro is for. I just want to let people know that this, the bl- the green room stuff, the, the before we turn the mics on, this is pretty much it. This is what we do. This is yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah. I mean, really, this is it, isn't it? We go on these long-winded tangents about things that don't matter. Yeah. And go, oh, we we're here to record the podcast, aren't we? Yeah, we. And that's and that is how the magic is made, people. So, Star Wars, what's going on? Uh, we recently had our local uh, Pittsburgh Steel City Con is back ah, yes. after a year and a half or whatever. Are a thing. Yeah, it's back. And I'll be honest with you, I go every time that we normally have it, I think, what, four times a year, three or four times a yeah. year. And uh, I, I have gone every time for the last couple of years, basically since I went once. And a friend of mine and I, we go and uh, we're normally there about half an hour before doors open. We get a parking spot really close to the entrance, like in the main parking lot. Mm-hmm. It's easy. Um, well, we arrived this time, uh, and it was packed. I was worried it was a bad celebrity lineup. I was worried it was going to be empty. You know, people were still worried about COVID. Like, this is like, they're just getting back into the swing of it. Like, I thought vendors would be empty. Like, I thought it would be dead. No, quite the opposite. I had to park far away. I had to walk. I had to wait in lines to get in. And it was great. The busiest Friday I'd ever been there. Got a lot of Black Series, uh, picked up a couple of Galaxy's Edge figures, got the Rex and the Honda that I was missing, uh, picked up a couple of other stragglers, like I still didn't have a Mace Windu, that was the oldest one I was missing at this point. Mm. So I had, had some good success. Also managed to pick up something we had talked about on a previous episode of Star Wars All In. Ooh. So... If you remember, we talked about Star Wars Micro Machines yes. when we talked about Action Fleet. Um, this was early on. It's a while right? ago. This is a while ago, it feels like. And we talked about there was a crossover promotion between Micro Machines, Action Fleet, and Star Wars Publishing. So there were a few books made, uh, or a few of these made, and so they are Micro Machine sets in packaging that looks like a Star Wars, what is now a Star Wars Legends novel. Yeah, it's kind of got the gold bands at the top and bottom. And... Absolutely. Now, I found at my local con the Jedi Academy Volume 1 version of this. But not only that, it's in great shape. Not only that... It is a foreign language version made by Galoob, which, if you don't know, has been manufacturing uh, 
international Star Wars toys in yes. general uh, for a very, very long time. I don't even know if they still are because this thing is probably 20 years old at this point. Um, but it's really, really cool. And to find this in person, so I now have, from basically my favorite Star Wars Legends <laughs> novel set, um, I have a Micro Machine, Kip Duran, and Sun Crusher, which is huge. I absolutely love it. An incredible find. And definitely, uh, besides maybe my Episode 1 uh, holiday gift tags, this is maybe <laughs> the coolest thing I've ever found at our local con. So really, really great. A great way to start it off. Uh, next one is coming up very, very soon in August. So hopefully uh, by then I'll report back. The next thing on my radar is the uh, – if I don't have a regular Cad Bane Black Series by then, I'm going to be save up and I'm going to buy the uh, Cad Bane Black Series uh, convention exclusive that comes with the Toto. Good, good. So good. that's the plan for the August that I'm going to be after. Maybe a one and done with that purchase. So we'll see what happens. I'm glad to hear you're being responsible with your money. I'm not being so, but... Well, I'm trying to save for celebration. You know, I'm going to get a lightsaber at Galaxy's Edge. Uh, I'm going to get, hopefully, a tattoo. So I'm saving. I'm trying to be good. Trying. To, I went on a budget. Didn't spend a ton of money. It was good. I bought a mini-disc player. Why? Why? Because Why? I've always wanted a mini-disc player. No. Mac. But right now, I have a bid in for an episode one uh, album release. Oh, okay. Worth it. Never uh, mind. I will see if it, if it can see. It's still Star Wars related content. Um, oh, we'll see if it that. plays out. But like, um, don't be me. Like, you know what's cool about technology? Touching it for about 10 minutes and then going, I should probably sell this. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, I, um, mm-hmm. yep. Wow. Well, I love that you did that. I can't wait to see it. Um, uh, that actually sparks my mind of something else I saw at Con. For only $40, if I hadn't been on a tight budget for Celebration, I would have bought it, was in the shrink wrap still, the episode one uh, movie that came with the art book. Mm-hmm. You know, we both had it. Yep. It's had like that postcard of the N1. Yeah, in it. Yep. a brand new one in packaging. Ooh. I should have bought it, 40 bucks. I didn't want to take the time and... We were busy. It was a busy day. It was crowded. I didn't want to take the time and look up You'll be you back know, what those August. go for. You can see but where. darn it, was it nice to see in person. I wanted it bad at the same this is, booth. That's why museums are awesome. Because you can go see this stuff but not have to own it. It's I great. know. If only there was a Rancho Obi-Wan on the East Coast. They should start Rancho Obi-Wan. I'm sure great collectors could start that. that. Who's, do you, who's think, do you think who's, something like that is business viable? Like if I went. And I and I contacted like eight collectors in the area, and I said we're going to open up a pop up Star Wars collecting museum in downtown mm. Pittsburgh for a month over the summer. We rent a space, right? We set up a big I museum. We get, hire a curators. I think to you do get tours. what they call um, those like um, mo- uh, what do they call them? Roving museums, where yeah. like you come to cons and show stuff off. Yeah, but I don't think you can make a permanent like or like a I don't. I don't see you getting a building. I think that's sure. unique to St- Steve. But sure. especially because what I'd really like to see is the Smithsonian has a lot of great Star Wars stuff they bring out of the closet every once in a while. Just make just make a small room that's just Star Wars permanent collection. Oh, that would be cool. Because they be got cool. they've got the goods. <laughs> uh, when I was a child, so this would have been like maybe the year two thousand mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago, there was a temporary pop-up star wars museum type thing yeah uh that had all official you know it was like a very big official thing and i would love to know what that was like my parents don't really remember like what it was or where it was but like it was a big like i remember it was like at like a real museum like it was a big thing and i'd love Mm -hmm. to know what that was that i attended i have no idea yeah, well, I mean, that's a common thing. Like, even our own science center, which has a very nice replica of C-3PO in it, in the it robotics does, yes, section. it does. Um, always had, like, it was the second floor was revolving, yeah. like, at all times. That's where we've gotten, like, the, the bodies exhibit came through there yeah, and stuff for like sure. that. Well, we're getting a, into a lot of nitty-gritty about local stuff today in this outro. This is a fun one. Yeah, no. This is what happens when hey, while fans we're here, pick E3 the announced that uh, Fallout 76 is going to have new content of The Pit, which is our hometown in a post-apocalyptic nightmare Are world. Are you serious? Yeah. You, really? No, yeah, they're going to The Pit, which no. is their version of Pittsburgh. Yep. Oh my gosh, that's fun. It is fun. Oh they man. They had a taste of it. It was an expansion pack for Fallout 3, I think. But, it, I mean, it's 2021. It sounds like it's going to be much bigger, much more exhaustive, so... I'm stoked about that. There. Now all your nitty-gritty East Coast, Western Pennsylvania, 
goodness. <laughs> That's what's going on in our lives. Let's talk about the show. Um, so the show this week, people voted for Rio. We we did a little impromptu, just a two day poll. It was kind of uh, out of the blue. We didn't really have a character or anybody picked for this week or any topics. Sure. And so I just threw up a couple. You know, we we said earlier we threw up some that we thought would be good that we hadn't done yet. Some bigger characters, but surprise, surprise, the small character Rio won out in a landslide. Uh, well, not really a landslide, but it seemed that way. Handily, handily. Yes. And uh, it was great. We had a ton of fun talking about him today. And since it went so well, we are going to do the same thing. So here's what I have planned. For the next three weeks, each week, mm-hmm. there will be a different poll on our Star Wars Twitter. So Star Wars All In on Twitter, if you search that, should come right up. Twitter.com slash Sway, S-W-A-I, should come right up, I think. Um, you can search and vote. Every week, there will be four choices on the poll. And whoever comes in second place will automatically get a spot on the poll the next week as a chance to be voted back in. So Snoke, as our second place recipient this week, will be on next week's poll, along with three new characters who you will have a chance to vote for for next week's episode. Uh, I think my idea is probably I'm just going to throw it up there today or tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, you know, so Wednesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. and then it'll be up for the entire weekend and voting will probably end on Sunday. So that way we yeah. have time to prepare sounds good sound good to everybody else okay democracy in action democracy this is how democracy lives that's what i say not to thunderous applause but to twitter tepid 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 twitter voting yeah oh it's gonna be great it's gonna be great something new something new on star wars all in because this is another year of crazy and we're gonna do something new And I'm excited to have you all with us. My name is Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday, may the Force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2021.